We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app we're opening up our country and we have to do that america wants to be open texas has demonstrated that we can corral the coronavirus. If Dallas pulls its boots up quicker than anybody else, this will continue the flow of businesses and jobs and money that have been outflowing from New York City and the tri-state area around it and from the other cities that are high-density cities like Chicago, Detroit, and some of the cities on the West Coast. Never doubt the genius and creativity of America. American industry is now totally focused on this then the United States will be off and running again, and we will emerge one more time as the strongest country in the world by far. It's the question everyone wants to know. When can we get back to normal? And more importantly, when can we get back to work? Thank you for joining me. I'm Austin York, and you're listening to another edition of KRLD In-Depth. Millions are out of work, and the unemployment claims are reaching heights that the country hasn't seen in decades. Basically, in the past three weeks, 20 million people have applied for unemployment. That doesn't even count the people who became unemployed, but either couldn't get through on the phone lines or, for whatever reason, have decided not to apply. People are doing what the medical experts tell us we should do, which is stay away from each other for a while. And, but the economic consequences of that are just devastating. Now, for some time, the president has been looking at reopening the economy by May 1st. He made this announcement at his daily pandemic briefing. Our team of experts now agrees that we can begin the next front in our war, which we are calling opening up America again. And that's what we're doing. We're opening up our country. And we have to do that. America wants to be open, and Americans want to be open. Unlike previous statements, President Trump has decided to leave it up to the nation's governors. Our approach outlines three phases in restoring our economic life. We are not opening all at once, but one careful step at a time. And some states will be able to open up sooner than others. And it was the following day that Texas Governor Greg Abbott made it clear Texas is not only ready, but must reopen. More than a million Texans have filed unemployment claims. Businesses have shuttered. Paychecks have disappeared. Food bank lines are swelling across Texas as more families seek food that they desperately need. Well, in typical Texas fashion, you have come together to support one another. 
You've made personal sacrifices to ensure that our state slows the spread of COVID-19. We have demonstrated that we can corral the coronavirus. Abbott then laid out his first steps in the reopening process. The first executive order today establishes the governor's strike force to open Texas. It sets out the organization and the duties of the strike force. They will gather information and make recommendations about ways that businesses can reopen, as well as the safe practices those businesses should use. Next is my executive order about the retail sector in Texas. Retailers are such an important part of our economy. They provide you with products that you need and want, and they create so many jobs. During our battle with COVID-19 over the past month and a half, we've seen some retailers sell products without customers going into stores, and hence reducing exposure to the coronavirus. You simply order the product and you pick it up or have it delivered to you. Because we've seen that this model works, while also containing COVID-19, we believe that all stores in Texas should be able to operate retail to go beginning next Friday. This temporary plan allows you to be able to access more retailers while also minimizing contact with others. It also sets standards on retailers that ensure safe practices intended to reduce exposure to COVID-19. To learn what those standards are, go to dshs.texas.gov slash coronavirus. Your physical and mental health are important, especially at times like these. Going to parks is an effective way to address those needs. So, state parks will be reopened. Now, in order to reduce possible transmission of COVID-19 in state parks, visitors must wear face coverings or masks. Also, visitors must maintain a distance of at least six feet from people who are not members of the same household. And for now, visitors cannot gather in groups larger than five. Today's executive order also addresses schools. The team of doctors advising us have determined that it would be unsafe to allow students together in schools for the foreseeable future. As a result, school classrooms are closed for the remainder of the 2019-2020 school year. That includes all public, private, and higher education institutions. Now, teachers will be allowed in the classroom for video instruction if they choose, or to perform administrative duties, or to clean out their classrooms. For public education, TEA Commissioner Mike Morath will soon provide more details about how to proceed, and he will explore how to conduct graduation ceremonies. For higher education, Commissioner Harrison Keller will provide similar advice to colleges and universities about how to conclude programs this semester and how to operate semesters this coming summer. Now, but says they're going to revisit the move to begin to further loosen business restrictions and give further guidances. Now that the president has given the power to the states, he has also set up a blue ribbon economic panel, which will aim to restart the economy. Now, one of its members is Ross Perot Jr., 
He spoke to Carol D's business analyst, David Johnson. Well, we've never seen it in the history of the country. Uh, I mean, to literally shut down the largest economy in the world is a very, very dramatic, draconian step. And now we're seeing the numbers, 22 million people unemployed. And we shouldn't have been surprised because of the severity of the pandemic. And where do we start? Remember, a lot of industry is considered essential, David. So a lot of what we do at Hillwood is essential. So our construction teams have been on site, and we're still building coast to coast. We've got thousands of people reporting in every morning. They get temperature checked. They have masks. They have gloves. They do social distancing. But we're still building projects across this country. And that's probably a good place to start is look at the essential businesses. You look at Alliance. I mean, 61,000 people working in Alliance, and it's mostly distribution. And it's projects like Alliance that allow North Texas, basically we feed North Texas. And so these are essential workers. You know, we can work in this environment, we're working in this environment, and we can continue to do it. So, David, you've got to, I would recommend you start to loosen up and gradually loosen up on the economy, let people go back to work. And the groups that you're worried about are the large groups. You know, they're the ones you've got to watch but I would let I would let the governors make the decision, which is what the president's done, and push it down to the lowest level to where you really understand your community. The American people are, are very responsible. Texans have been very responsible. I mean, look at how well we've done in this shutdown and how we've really controlled the spread of this virus. If people know the rules, they'll follow the rules. Gradually, let us go back to work with social distancing and masks. And then they will have lots of testing. And, you know, every week more and more testing gets in the system, and pretty soon we'll all be able to be tested, which will look, really let us get back to whatever our new normal is going to be quicker. Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson started his own economic recovery team that will be led by former head of the Dallas Fed, Richard Fisher. Now, he's also on the governor's recovery team here in Texas. He says his team will have one goal. Our effort is to, after we can sort our way through, the different standards that are being put forward is to uh, accomplish one single important goal, which is to flatten the uh, mortality rate curve of businesses, especially small and medium-sized businesses in the city of Dallas. Put people back to work, uh, find the formats uh, as we learn the different standards being passed down from the president and the governor uh, as to you know, distancing and testing and temperature taking and all the other things that they might prescribe, and then get our economy back on its feet and get businesses hiring again. Because if they don't hire, we don't have jobs. If we don't have jobs, we lose our dignity. We also lose our economic security with our families. And those we love, our health goes into more negative mode, generally speaking. And uh, what we want to do is get the job creating machine going again once we understand the standards under which we will operate. First thing Fisher says they have to do, they've got to get small businesses up and going again. Within the city of Dallas, we have 300,000 people that work for companies that have less than 50 employees. There are over 71,000 such companies with 50 employees or less in the city of Dallas. Now, these may not be people that are Dallas residents. They can come from the different counties around different communities. 
But those 300,000 workers now are threatened. Many have been furloughed. Many have been laid off. Those small and very small companies, in this case, creating that many jobs, uh, are going to need help. And there are programs to protect their payrolls right now. There are some other programs from the Small Business Association to the extent they can get them. Uh, But they need what's called working capital. They need to be able to pay their bills. They need to be able to pay their rents. They need to be able to have the resources to be ongoing businesses and to rehire and then expand their businesses. That's a daunting challenge that we have here. 300,000 people that work in companies of less than 50 people, 300,000 is bigger than the population of any city in Dallas County other than Dallas, Texas itself. They can't forget about the city's largest companies. They have to continue to thrive. Well, I mean, we have some very large employers. Uh, UT Southwestern, for example, has about 27,000. We have AT&T with 8,000 within the city of Dallas. We have Accenture, obviously, Southwest Airlines, et cetera. Um, Those companies have a great capacity for sophistication and for figuring out a way forward. Those are very important to the city of Dallas. But the biggest area of concern are these smaller businesses, small, medium-sized businesses, say businesses with less than 500 employees, yet alone less than 50, uh, and uh, figuring out a way that they can stay in business. And the bridge loans that they're getting, which is what they are, from the federal government now, many of them pass through the Federal Reserve and the banking system, um, is just that, their temporary relief. What they have to have is a sense of being ongoing businesses and not shutting down out of despair. So uh, we don't have specifics yet. It's hard to aggregate all those little companies, but they're just as important as the big guys because they are the job creators, not just in Dallas. They create 80% of all the jobs in America are medium and small businesses across our country. And they're especially powerful here in Dallas, Texas. Now, small businesses here in Texas have been applying for and getting the payroll protection program loans to the tune of about $22 billion. That's more than any other state in the nation. But now the money has run dry and some have been left out in the cold. Jason Norwood with Lone Star Street Eats was appalled to find out that he wasn't even eligible for a loan. When we had heard about the $2.2 trillion uh, stimulus package and had also heard of the $10,000 EIDL loan, which was a $10,000 advance loan that we were supposed to be able to get, and uh, uh, sole proprietors and uh, owners were also going to be able to apply for this and uh, get it, if we didn't qualify, for instance, for the PPP, then this would give us some uh, uh, stand-up to where we would be able to still operate or or survive with our business by taking care of our equipment leases, by being able to take care of ourselves, and uh, uh, be able to basically make it during this pandemic. And as of we went in and we applied for this, um, under the EIDL website that they had sent out there to everyone. And uh, we were expecting it. 
But he came back and he said, I hate to be the bearer of some bad news unless you've already heard, but the EIDL $10,000 advance has been changed to the up to $10,000 advance effective late last week. And it is now based on the number of employees, which gives you $1,000 per employee up to $10,000. And what makes me upset about it is, one, it was allocated for $2.2 trillion, but yet it was outlined within the law that all entrepreneurs and sole proprietors were going to be able to get this. However, the SBA does not recognize sole proprietors as employees. And the IRS says, yes, you're considered employee one in regards to filling out your employee taxes. However, you're still not considered an employee. You're the owner. So either way, we're not anyone that's out there now who is going to be getting a sole proprietor or uh, uh, as an entrepreneur, they work for themselves, whatever, they're not going to get a dime. Now, Norwood worries if he can't get that money, he's going to lose all his equipment at his hot dog stand. Fisher says businesses like Norwood's cannot be allowed to simply slip away. And we have to find, in the end, the financial wherewithal to support them. And that's a really vexing problem. We want to make sure that all this money that comes out of the government as a bridge loan or as a temporary relief fund gets better dispersed. But we also want to make sure that these smaller companies have access to the capital they need to readjust, say, in the restaurant sector, uh, the way they have to configure their servings and tables internally, uh, and the same for other companies that might have a lot of people in high-rise uh, buildings or other buildings within the city, uh, they're going to need the kind of capital infusions, and I'm not sure yet where they're going to come from, uh, and the advice as to how to access that capital in order to reconfigure their businesses and make it attractive for people to come back to work safely. So how long is this all going to take? Probably is the biggest question every American and every Texan has. Cullum Clark with the Bush Institute at SMU spoke with Carol D's Mike Rogers about this very thing. We do have to recognize that in Texas and elsewhere, it's going to take time. Uh, we have to recognize uh, that, for example, that to, to really open everything up is going to take an, a degree of testing that we haven't fully uh, pulled together yet. And we also have to recognize um, that uh, what we've seen in the, un in, in the labor market uh, with unemployment, um, uh, won't reverse fast. I mean, I, I like to say that the that the labor market is like Humpty Dumpty. Once he falls off the wall, it's not that easy to put him back together again. So when we start to reopen in Texas, I think we will we will actually see the uh, the worst in unemployment. But it will take time to heal. How how long might it take then? You're talking about this being a a lengthy and gradual process before we get back to some sense of normalcy. Are we talking about the end of the year, maybe. I don't think anybody knows, to be honest. Uh, I think what we'll see is that there are a lot of workplaces that will figure out how to reopen in a way that, that, uh, that basically institute a lot of new safety procedures and so forth, where it's possible for, for factories in a lot of cases to reopen. It's possible for many kinds of stores to reopen. 
But I think that the, one of the biggest challenges we'll, we'll see is that there are a lot of categories of business, particularly ones that involve people coming together into dense places for fun, like restaurants and bars and theaters and sports arenas and so forth, where the big question is, uh, how worried are people going to be about going to those uh, places? And we just don't know yet. So I would, I would think it's reasonable to suppose that takes a number of months and possibly into next year. Now back to Richard Fisher. He put it this way. I think it's too hard to say. You know, economists and the people in financial markets talk about the possibility of what they call a V-shaped recovery. Given the complexity, even at this level of the city of Dallas, and if you project that into the country as a whole, because remember, we also sell products to the country as a whole, and we are a trade transportation point to the south, to Mexico and so on, and to other states. Given the complexities of everything right now to get things up and going again, find the financial wherewithal, keeping people in business, get them to back to getting their workers back to work, this is what economists would call a U-shape recovery, most likely. I would say the only V-shape I can see are hairdressers and barbers <laughs> in Dallas, Texas. I have a feeling they will come right back as soon as we're allowed out of our homes. Now, this leads us specifically to Texas. And are we more equipped to get back up and running than other states? David Johnson asked Perot Jr. that very thing. I think it, when, when, when you get back to whatever our normal is going to be, it will resume. And David, it's going to increase. I mean, you, we used to think density was good. Now that we've seen with the pandemic, density is bad. And when the stories are written, one reason North Texas came through it in pretty good shape is that North Texas listened to their leaders. We maintained social distancing. We shut down pretty quick. But also, we're low density. I mean, people go to work in a car. And most people live in a single-family home. Even our apartments are low density compared to in New York. But it's these high-density cities that people have been leaving because they have a tendency to have high tax and high regulation. They're coming into the low-tax and low-regulation areas like Dallas. Now with the density and health safety, more and more people will be moving into communities like Dallas-Fort Worth. I, I don't want to say that we would benefit by this, but but I, I guess it could. It could, it could actually spur more growth. It could spur more growth, and, and you certainly don't want to talk about how you can benefit from this disaster. But I believe people are going to continue to vote. Look at all the New Yorkers that are moving to Dallas-Fort Worth already. Uh, look at the people from California moving into Dallas-Fort Worth already. Look at, the, look at this one extreme. You know, Charles Schwab moving their headquarters from downtown San Francisco to the Circle T Ranch. Right. I mean, that is from very high density to very low density. And you're seeing more and more companies want that low-density uh, setting, like we have in North Texas and like we have at Alliance. Fisher says Dallas can really make its mark for generations to come. We have been a shining light, <laughs> the, uh, the city on the hill for the rest of the U.S. economy in terms of job creation and attracting capital. Not just into our city, but into our county, but the city is the inner concentric circle. And if Dallas doesn't pull itself out of this impressively, then that infects the entire county and region around us. When people talk about Dallas, whether it's located at a capital investment here or in one of the smaller cities around us, uh, think of Detroit. People don't want to be around Detroit. They want to be around a thriving, well-structured, uh, nice working environment, and that's what Dallas, Texas has to be. 
I do see the opportunity here. Uh, I don't want to be too ruthless on this, but if we do this right, if Dallas pulls itself up by its, uh, pulls its boots up quicker than anybody else, this will continue the flow of businesses and jobs and money that have been outflowing from New York City and the tri-state area around it, where it's always overtaxed and overregulated compared to us, and from the other cities that are high-density cities like Chicago, Detroit, and some of the cities on the West Coast. It's hard to imagine people wanting to get back into a jammed subway car to commute or a train from New Jersey, Connecticut, or even within Manhattan to go to work in New York. It's very hard to imagine people sitting on Securities trading floors, which is what New York is the center of our financial system, elbow to elbow, a thousand people, traders sitting elbow to elbow on a large trading platform in a building in New York. I think we have a great advantage here if we can show that we do it well. And that's our aspiration. I know it's the mayor's aspiration. It's certainly my aspiration for the city that I love. And you want to talk about an uplifting outlook. Ask Ross Perot Jr. about what he thinks. He shared his very thoughts with David Johnson. Government has put so much money in the system. It's a staggering amount of money. It's been put into the system, and interest rates are all-time low. You know, you will see demand start to come back. And in our world of e-commerce, you know, demand is starting to really boom as more and more people move to e-commerce. There'll be winners and losers. Trends that were accelerating in one direction are now speeding up. The e-commerce ad- adaptation is going to accelerate a huge amount. The other thing, David, is it used to, as I mentioned, density used to be good. People used to want very dense office space. Well, now in the office world, you're going to go to low-density office space. I don't think, David, the shared office concept is going to be popular for a long time. Do you really want to share a desk with somebody else in the world of pandemics? Not so even- a lot of structural shifts are going to occur. You'll probably need more office space. Uh, you'll see more people working from home. I mean, big tech has done a phenomenal job of allowing the American people to work from home and still be productive. And so now we see data center demand. We were actively in the data center market, but the amount of, the amount of cloud computing has been staggering. And all the big data centers now are in the market for additional compute capacity. And we're right in the middle of that. So there's a lot of good demand in certain segments. You've got to bring the local demand back, and there's nothing better than letting people get them back to work. Look at that South Korean model. I mean, there's a way to get people back to work, inactive, with testing, masks, gloves. Let the small operations begin. The larger sporting events, baseball, et cetera, that might take a while, but we'll get there with testing. And then never, never doubt the genius and creativity of America. American industry is now totally focused on this. You're going to have plenty of ventilators, plenty of testing, plenty of gloves, plenty of masks, and the smartest doctors in the world are now focused on a vaccine. I think you'll be shocked how soon you have a vaccine. You and then, we'll, then, then the United States will be off and running again, and we will emerge one more time as the strongest country in the world by far. Thank you for joining me on this edition of KRLD In-Depth. You can get the absolute latest on the COVID-19 crisis by listening to News Radio 1080 KRLD, you can also find us on the radio.com app. I'm Austin York. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 